are on air right now for Fan for Racing NASCAR Weekend Preview of Texas. This is Wednesday night, October the 30th, and joining me now is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, excited to be here on a Wednesday night this week instead of Thursday. I know we got Halloween, so give us opportunity for the kids to be out with their families, so doing the Wednesday night show. Doing the Wednesday night show, and and my voice is a little bit uh, uh, husky today, I guess, because uh, for whatever reason, I'm having a lot of uh, sinus issues here, but uh, we will get through this, right? Uh, Also, just a a note, I'm having some issues with logging into Twitter, so that's why Jay is posting here tonight, and I'll be uh, trying to retweet as much of his stuff as I can, so I appreciate it, Jay. Oh, not a problem. I think we got it all straightened out. I know I had a little couple of glitches on the first one, but we got it straightened out. Okay, sounds good, and thank you so much for doing that. Also, just want to let everybody know what the schedule is here for tonight. We're going to spend a few minutes here talking about the Arkham Menard series as well as the Canon Pro series. Uh, their seasons have ended, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with those websites then we'll get into the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. At 10 o'clock, I'm sorry, at 9 o'clock, at the top of the hour, we will talk with uh, Chase Briscoe, our guest. Uh, he's coming on from Stuart Haas Racing, and uh, he's going to help us preview the upcoming race at Texas. But we'll also talk a little bit about his season. Uh, he's had a great season in the Xfinity Series this year, and uh, we'll have a lot to talk about there. At 9.20, we'll get into the Xfinity Series review, I mean preview, and at 9.40, we'll preview the uh, Cup Series. Both of those races are at Texas this weekend. Both are playoff races, and it's going to be exciting. At 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and it sounds like, Jay, it's going to be just you and me again. Yeah, I saw that where Andy said uh, some weather delays. He was going to probably be tied up. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, catch him next week on Monday. Hopefully. I hope so. I hope it does work out. We miss you, Andy, when you're not here. Okay, now let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menard series. Uh, there was an announcement today uh, from our motorsports uh, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and they announced that they are going to field a car uh, this year, I mean not this year, in the 2020 season, uh, they are fielding a car for Andy Seuss. Uh, a lot of people will recognize that name. Uh, and uh, they'll be racing, I think, some of the Xfinity Series races as well as some ARCA races. So pretty cool to hear that news. Certainly uh, certainly looking forward to it. Uh, that's a driver we've seen uh, make the occasional starts, and I think him getting a maybe not full-time ride, but um, at least a more consistent ride is really going to do him some good as well as for that team. So I'm really excited about that. I always love to see new teams coming in to make a splash in the NASCAR Top 3 Series as well as the ARCA Series. It is very cool to see new drivers coming in. He's going to actually race full-time in the 2020 season in the Xfinity Series. And uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I read here, too, that they'll do some of the ARCA races. So uh, let's see. 
as well as managing, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like Andy Seuss will be driving full-time in the uh, Xfinity series here with our motorsports. Again, great uh, great for the series, great for that team, and as well as driver Andy Seuss. Uh, really looking forward to that. Like I said, I, I get excited when you see these new teams come in and, and the potential they have. Yes, indeed it is. Now, also, you can see some other things there, like the by the numbers of the Arkham Menard series for the 2019 season. Uh, there's some great articles there for Travis Braden as well as for Brett Holmes. Uh, so, again, we really encourage folks to get over to the uh, uh, ArcaRacing.com website uh, to read more there. Okay, now uh, I want to get into the Canon Pro Series. Not a lot on the east side. They closed out their season there, uh, and uh, uh, the the winner of this year's uh, championship, of course, was Sam Mayer. He raced in the Truck Series this last week. Uh, I think we'll probably see him some more races. Uh, so there's not a lot on the east side. But on the west side, they still have one more race. Uh, I know Monday night we had uh, Derek Krause on the show. Uh, if you want to get a chance to hear what he had to say, it's during our first half hour that we talked to him on the podcast that's now available. Uh, so these guys have one more race left uh, at uh, at uh, ISM Raceway in Phoenix, and uh, everybody's going to be there next weekend. Not this weekend, but a week from this weekend Everybody's going to be at ISM Raceway, and the Canon Pro Series will have their finale. Uh, and I think all Derek Krauss has to do is start that race, and he's going to be the champion this season. I believe so, and it's one of those of you know you kind of like to see it come down to a battle in that final race. But he has certainly earned it again, closing out the season with a victory uh, last weekend already for his fifth win of the year. Uh, I believe it was his fourth in a row at Kern County Speedway. Um, but, again, 12 top tens out of 13 races. Uh, he's got reason to celebrate already now. He has had a phenomenal season. But without a doubt, he, he, he has had a, a – and he's worked hard for this season, having uh, been with Bill McAnally Racing for the last three years. Uh, third year is the charm for uh, Derek Krauss, and uh, he's going to get his own championship. And, you know, one of the things we talked about is is that he raced with uh, Todd Gilliland, he raced with Derek Thorne, and he talks a little bit about how much he learned from both of those guys in his first two seasons at Bill McAnally. Um, Derek Thorne, of course, was not with Bill McAnally. He was with uh, Bob Brumcotti Racing. But just being on the racetrack with those guys – uh, and how much he learned from them that's helping him this season. I'm sure it has, and that's a, that's a great thing about a developmental team and, and a team like uh, McAnally that has consistently put top drivers, developing drivers in. You know, even though they move on, what they what they learn still stays with that team and, and what they learn. So, uh, been a great feeder system for the NASCAR Top Series. It has been, and, and definitely looking forward uh, to uh, how these guys do as we as we talk about going into the 2020 season. 
So uh, watch for news uh, on all of these drivers as they uh, close out their Canon Pro Series season, and uh, we'll find out what's next for them on their agendas for the 2020 season. Okay, Jay, I'm going to go ahead and move on now to the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, They are not racing this weekend, but we do have a few updates here. Uh, Their next race will not be until next weekend when we go to ISM Raceway for the Lucas Oil 150. That race will take place on Friday, November the 8th. And uh, last year's winner was Brett Moffitt. So uh, a lot of people are going to be... uh, thinking that uh, he's probably, he can probably come up with another win there this season. Jay? Okay, I'm not sure what happened to Jay. Uh, no, sorry about that. Okay. Um, okay. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, I had a glitch there with my uh, mute button, but I got it fixed as well okay. now. Okay, good. Okay, so uh, we're into the truck series now, and uh, we can probably go bottom up here on the first piece in the truck series where we do a little bit of an overview of the uh, round of six drivers and how they are faring up to this point and their performance actually at uh, ISM Raceway. All right, well, I'll start with the number 17 DGR. Yep, DGR Crosley Toyota, driver Tyler Ankrum. Um, I don't know if you've heard this before regarding the round of six of this playoff group, but Ankrum had a solid race at Talladega, finishing seventh, but was eliminated from contention at Martinsville by a crash, placing 25th. He now sits currently 15 points back from Hill, who, who, who holds that fourth and final championship four slot. Now, Ankrum has only made one visit to ISM Raceway, placing an impressive six in the second of two starts he made there last season. Okay, that is pretty impressive. Uh, now, Crafton has the largest body of work at ISM Raceway of the remaining playoff players, playoff drivers. Uh, however, in 18 starts at that one-mile track, he has yet to win a race. Although he was runner-up in 2014, uh, that was the year of his second championship. He, he's also recorded six top five finishes there, 11 top ten finishes, and uh, he's put together an average finish of 10.0. Uh, but if you look at his most recent four trips to ISM, he's tallied only two finishes outside the top 20, uh, but he was 11th there last fall. So, uh, uh I kind of missed, uh, I think, part of the information here. Um, he His uh, round of six results uh, most closely mirror those of Moffat and Hill. He's had a solid eighth-place result at Talladega before he finished uh, a few laps down at, uh, uh, in, at in 23rd place at Martinsville. Right now he's in fifth place in the point standings. He's just one spot outside of the championship four, and he's trailing fourth place a hill by a mere nine points. All right. Well, we'll talk about Austin Hill again. He is currently in that fourth and final cutoff place. Driver of the number 16, Hattori Racing Enterprises Toyota. Uh, He still has precarious nine-point advantage over Crafton for that fourth and final championship four slot. He opened the round with a sixth-place finish at Talladega, 
but then was one of those unfortunate drivers, again, caught up in a myriad of incidences at Martinsville, ended his day and left him with a 26th place finish. Now, he's going to have to improve on his past efforts at ISM Raceway as he's going to, if he's going to have a shot to contend for the title in Miami. In two starts at the track, his best finish is 23rd and an average finish of 26.5. But again, I think he's in a little bit better equipment than he's been in the past, so that obviously plays a factor. It definitely does. Uh, Ross Chastain in that number 45 truck for Nice Motorsports uh, has had kind of a rough start uh, in the round of six. He wrecked from the lead uh, late in the race and wound up with a 22nd place finish at Talladega, but he nearly flipped around. He he nearly flipped that around last weekend at Martinsville as he led 68 laps before finishing second after being edged out by Todd Gilliland following an overtime restart. That Martinsville finish coupled with a great deal of misfortune by the rest of the playoff field after Friesen's fifth-place finish, the next highest finishing post-season, postseason contender was Crafton in 23rd. While, of course, that vaulted Chastain from sixth in points entering the race to third coming out of it. So right now he's 20 points ahead of Crafton in fifth place. Now, it's been six years since Chastain has raced in the Gander Truck Series at ISM Raceway. He was 33rd at that track in 2012 after he experienced some mechanical issues that eliminated him early in the race. However, he started from the pole and finished second at ISM Raceway in 2013. All right, next one up, we got Stuart Friesen, driver of the number 52 Helmar Friesen Racing Chevrolet. And he's had an impressive, he's been very impressive in this round. He finished uh, fifth at Talladega and then sixth last week at Martinsville, keeping him in that second place in the point standings. He's only 10 points behind the leader, Moffitt, and holds a 35-point advantage over Crafton in fifth. Now, Friesen has progressively gotten better each of his three starts at ISM Raceway. He finished 18th in his track debut back in 2016, then 6th in 2017, and 5th last year for an average finish now of 9.7. His starting position has also improved each time. He was tw- started 20th in 2016, 12th in 17, and then 4th la- last fall. So all things are trending in the right direction for Stuart Friesen, and uh, this certain season has certainly added to that. Yes, indeed, but at the top of the list is uh, Brett Moffitt, the driver of the number 24 GMS Racing Chevrolet. He's the defending series champion uh, and has continued to start off this uh, round pretty strong. He finished fourth at the always unpredictable Talladega Super Speedway, but like a good chunk of the field at Martinsville, he was involved in a wreck last weekend, and as a result, he, he, he came home with a 29th place finish. Fortunately, he has a large stockpile of playoff points uh, from throughout the year that are letting him keep hold of that top spot in the points. By 10 points over Stuart Friesen, who is in second place, and by 45 points over fifth-place driver Matt Crafton, who is just outside the championship for cutoff. Now, Moffitt enters uh, this next-to-the-last race of the season as the lone playoff contender who has won at ISM Raceway. He did that uh, 
in his only series start at that track uh, in which he started fifth and, of course, finished first. So uh, he's the defending winner, and he's the one everybody's chasing in this playoff season for the championship title. Uh, he's also the defending champion in the, in the uh, series. Well, they definitely got their work cut out for him. And if we take a look at the champs' history at ISM Raceway, Last year, Brett Moffitt won at ISM Raceway and then went on to win at Homestead Miami Speedway to capture, again, his first Gander Outdoor Truck Series championship. And that marked the first time since Ron Hornaday won the spring 1998 race when the Gander Truck Series last competed twice per season at that track that the series champ won at ISM en route to the championship. In fact, it also happened in 1995 prior to that with Mike Skinner when he swept the races there, as well as 1997 when Jack Sprague won the April race. Now, the record shows that if you're good enough to win at Phoenix at some point in your career, then you're also good enough to win the series title. Of the 17 individual drivers who have won a Gander Outdoor Truck Series championship, more than half, at sitting at nine, have recorded at least one win at ISM Raceway in their career. And that includes three of the past four series title holders, Again, Brett Moffitt in 2018, Johnny Sauter, who is a 2016 champion, and Eric Jones in 2015. Okay. Now, one of the things that's been kind of interesting about this round of six is that the spoilers are prevailing. Todd Gilliland became the second winner in his many round of six races uh, to come home with a victory and play spoiler, preventing a playoff driver from locking their ticket into the championship four by visiting victory lane so a week earlier it was spencer boyd boyd who upset the field and took the checkered flag at talladega super speedway so since the champion since the elimination style postseason format was introduced to the truck series in 2016 there hasn't been a round of three races completed with a, at least one playoff driver earning a win that would all change if one of the six remaining playoff contenders does not win at ISM Raceway this next weekend. So it's entirely possible that a spoiler can prevail again in the desert. Brett Moffat is the only playoff contender who has won at the one-mile track, and Johnny Sauter is the only other 2019 regular racer who has won there. So if a third straight driver captures the first career Gander Truck Series win at ISM Raceway, they would be the sixth driver to do so at that track. Uh, a list of drivers who have done that starting in 1995 includes Jack, Mike Skinner uh, in 95, Jack Sprague in 96, Kevin Harvick in 2002, Eric Jones in 2013, and Daniel Suarez did it in 2016. So uh, an interesting stat for fans to be aware of going into this race at ISM Raceway. It certainly is. Um, we need to look at that as far as, again, this is the cutoff race this year for that championship for ISM Raceway. Now, after opening with the high-speed, high-bank 2.66-mile at Talladega, uh, then taking on the much shorter and flatter 0.52-mile Martinsville Speedway last weekend. The Gander Outdoor Truck Series, again, are going to take this weekend off. they got one week off here in this uh, round 
before wrapping up that round in Phoenix, Arizona at ISM Raceway. The banking in that, I'm sorry, it'll take place on the uh, Lucas Oil 150. It'll be Friday, November 8th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be covered on FS1, MRN, as well as Sirius XM Satellite Radio. It'll take place on the one-mile track that was, again, recently reconfigured. Uh, It was prior to the 2018 fall race, and that was to move the start-finish line to the former backstretch, which is just before the dog leg. A very unique track, and I think is going to make this race extremely interesting as it comes down for these playoffs. Now, the bankings in turns one and two are 11 degrees, while it's nine degrees in turns three and four. In the front stretch, which is now 1,179 feet long and banked at three degrees, while the back stretch is 1,551 feet long and has only nine degrees of banking. Again, we mentioned Brett Moffat won this race last year and is the only remaining playoff contender with a victory at the track. So definitely going to be interesting as the truck series sets their final championship four prior to Homestead, Miami. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. I think uh, this has been an interesting uh, series this year and has had a few surprises. And, and one of the biggest, I think, is that we've had two non-playoff non, uh, contenders win these last two races. Uh, so can they do it again when they go to ISM Raceway? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, they're not racing again this weekend. We've got to wait another week. Uh, but in that week, we're going to see all three series at ISM Raceway next weekend. And all three series will be having elimination races to determine which four drivers are going to move on to Homestead Miami Speedway to uh, race for the championship title. So it's going to be uh, fun without a doubt. And uh, definitely, if you can't see it, uh, set those DVRs so that you don't miss it. Um, Jay, we've got a few minutes here. Do you want to go over the uh, fan for racing uh, fantasy teams? All right. That's why I was trying to pull that up real quick here. On the truck series, uh, I currently lead that one at 73 points. Andy's at 71 Sharon, your third at 46. James is at 43. And Sam is at 36. Now, with two races remaining there, obviously the top spots can still change between Andy and I. Um, but the shuffling there on the bottom will also have uh, plenty of room there as well as the truck series wraps up. Did you want me to go over all of them okay. or just the truck series there? Yeah, let's go ahead and do the Xfinity and Cup as well. All right. Uh, on the Xfinity side, that one got a that one got a little bit tighter again after this past. Uh, they had the week off, but the week prior, Sharon, you still lead at 90 points. Sam closed it up to 85. I'm at 75. Andy's at 59, and James is at 55. Now that one again, they still have two races remaining as well. Uh, so it's come down to be really tight for me to even close back in all the way to the lead, but. We'll have to see how it plays out. The cup side, that one is far from determined uh, as they actually have three races remaining left. And this one shifted points a little bit again. Sharon, you now lead coming out of our tiebreaker. You lead at 109. I'm at 105. And Sam is at 98. So there's only 11 points separating the leader. And with three races remaining, James is still actually in it at uh, 84. 
And technically, Andy has not been eliminated at 79. He could end with 109. So if he were to win all three and Sharon were to get zero in all three, we could have a tiebreaker. But that one has been by far the most interesting and the closest battle. Yes. And then, and then overall, overall all right, uh, that one, I got a little bit of a lead at 253. Sharon's at 245. Sam is at 219. Andy at 209. And James is at 182. Now, that one, too, when we count all series, we got, what, seven, seven or eight, one, two, three, four, and those three. So seven races remaining there. So that one is still obviously wide open as well. Mm-hmm. Now, now you're ta- you're t- when you say three races left, you're talking about this week, uh, ISM Raceway and then Homestead, Miami. Is that correct? Uh, For the Cup Series, yes. Texas, ISM, and then Homestead. Um, The Xfinity Series is – oh, I'm sorry. It is a – because Xfinity also – you're right. The Xfinity also has three. The Truck Series is the only one uh, missing uh, Texas Motor Speedway. So it's actually eight races remaining. That is correct. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so it's been a lot of fun doing this this year. And uh, I know we're going to have a lot of fun uh, winding up this season. This is all for bragging rights. Uh, that's the only thing that's on the line here, but uh, uh, we all like to do well. <laughs> it certainly is. Again, we have a lot of fun with it. I know during the races especially there's some trash talking going on, some uh, tempers flare, if you will. I, we haven't had any fights on pit road, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it has been fun, though, actually, and um, uh, it's it's going to be fun watching this next uh, series, the Xfinity Series racing at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, there were uh, some exciting drivers uh, after uh, their last race as well, and, uh, you know, Chase Briscoe had such a great race going at Texas, and not at Texas, but uh, their last race out. I'm trying to think where it was now. It, they weren't at Martinsville. No, and it, I mean, it, that's, I like this season. They do have a little bit of a gap. The Xfinity had a break. I think at the Cup, Cup Series is the. Uh, yes. And then uh, the Truck Series having theirs this week um, at Martinsville. And I know they're already looking at that as far as next year, um, maybe having that for the Cup Series. I've heard some different driver opinions on that and how they would like to see that. And, again, it always depends on the teams. Uh, You know, some say, hey, if they got momentum going, they want to keep it going. Uh, Teams that need a break need to regroup. So it's kind of a mix. Uh, As a fan, uh, you know, I'm not particularly a fan of it, but I understand it's not all necessarily about me or as a fan. So, got to kind of find that happy medium for the teams as well. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, I can appreciate, uh, you know, having the break. There's a lot of pressure on these guys as they're racing for the championship, probably more than we've ever seen. And um, uh, it seems like most of them are handling it pretty well uh, as far as racing on the track and, and doing the best they can. Uh, but there's always those unexpected things that happen as well. So, you know, they want to be on their toes as much as possible. And uh, I thought Chase did really good coming home with the third-place finish. I know he wanted it 
to be a win. He felt that was uh, one a really good opportunity at Kansas Speedway. And uh, he's going to have another chance, though, here at Texas. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the differences uh, with him, about the differences between the Kansas Speedway, uh, which is a 1.5-mile track, and the 1.5-mile track at Texas, uh, because they are different. Uh, even though they're they're cookie, they call them cookie cutter tracks, but they all have different characteristics, uh, and the drivers are very familiar with those differences. And uh, I, I, it'll be fun to see what his perspe- perspective is on those differences between those two tracks. Um, <clears throat> but uh, he's not the only one that's looking to go out there and go after that victory. Uh, there's a lot of drivers that are really good on these tracks. And it's going to be an exciting race. It certainly is. And, again, this one will be a uh, second-to-last race for them. Uh, we still have Phoenix. So, again, see what uh, what that brings about as far as if it puts any drivers in a must-win or if there comes to be a close points battle. Uh, several different ways it could shake out, as we've seen. So it will definitely be interesting. Without a doubt, uh, we we look forward to these races, and uh, I think NASCAR has really put together a program here that makes it very exciting for the fans, but I think it makes it equally exciting for the drivers as well uh, as far as how this all plays out and and uh, how everybody uh, is, is uh, looking to... Uh, you know, manage their racing uh, in the playoffs and, and their chances to contend for that championship. So it's it's going to be uh, uh, definitely uh, uh, you got to tune in and watch it and see what happens because you never know what's going to happen on a race, uh, during a race, until <laughs> you watch that race. And even then, moments before it ends, you don't know how it's going to end. Exactly. We have seen some that you're right. Uh, you can't miss those last lap or two if there's an overtime. I mean, that changed things here uh, for the truck series, uh, most certainly, as well as the cup series. We've seen a couple of these with the cup series. Uh, what was it, 100 feet from that caution flag coming out could have drastically changed things. Yes. And, uh, you know, they were so close to finishing that race and then had to end up uh, not finishing or, you know, going on another uh, overtime schedule there. Uh, right now, the way these uh, point standings are, are uh, in the uh, Xfinity series, you have Christopher Bell in the number 20 at the top, Cole Custer in second, Tyler Raddick is third, and then it's Justin Algauer just on the uh, upside uh, of the four drivers that are currently inside. Uh, the drivers that are outside, just two points out, is Chase Briscoe, uh, uh, two points away from where Justin Algauer is. Uh, so he's certainly within reach. Michael Annette uh, is 12 points back uh, in sixth place. Then we have Noah Gregson and Austin Sendrick rounding out that round of eight drivers. Uh, so it, it, there's a couple of drivers there uh, that could come up with a win at Texas Motor Speedway and put themselves right into the top. The bad news is if one of those drivers do that, 
then it's going to knock somebody else out. That's it. There's always good news, bad news when something like that happens. And we have seen that when everybody says, oh, I think so-and-so can get in. The question is, is who goes out? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with these drivers doing as well as they're doing, it's been a really tight battle, I think, here in the Xfinity Series. One of the things that is making a huge difference for the top three drivers uh, is that they have playoff points. Uh, 40, uh, Christopher Bell uh, 49, I'm sorry, he has 62 playoff points, the most of any of the drivers, uh, followed by Cole Custer with 50 and Tyler Reddick with 44. So uh, the next highest driver happens to be Austin Sindrick, who's in eighth place right now, uh, but he has 17 uh, playoff tri- playoff points. And I think in the Xfinity Series with those top three, uh, Christopher Bell obviously already locking in with that win. Uh, the other two, I think you're going to see be able to ride that those points if need be. Uh, not saying that they can't and won't go out and try and win and get in via win yet themselves, but the, their points that they have built up should carry them through to Miami Homestead barring something bad in two different races. But, again, you never know. So that question kind of becomes of who is that fourth contender and our guest here, uh, Chase Briscoe, obviously could be one of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's happened here. He's not called in yet. Uh, I'm going to send a message and see if uh, if we can find out what's uh, happened here. But uh, uh, I, one thing I was just noting, Jay, is that there's only two points difference between Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick, so that position is up for grabs right now, too. Yeah, the the whole points there, uh, it definitely is going to be interesting there uh, of a points battle. Again, we'll have to wait and see how Texas uh, plays out first. But going into the final two races, that points battle there, especially for that cutoff spot, uh, very interesting. And, again, depending on who wins this race, of if somebody else gets drugged into that, uh, we've seen that. We're then going into the final race. You have multiple drivers in that points window where they may or may not make it in on points uh, makes for some really, really exciting racing again, as a fan. And when we get the chance here, we'll talk to Chase Briscoe about that of this being his first year in the playoffs of, of how he's felt and looked at that. Uh, Absolutely. He's had, I think a really great season in the Xfinity series last year, he was racing part-time between uh, a couple of different race teams so now to be able to race this full-time season and do as well as he's doing, I think, is fantastic because this really is his first full-time season in the Xfinity Series. It is, and I think he's done a great job with that. Um, again, and it, once you get the chance to, to talk to him of how that plays into uh, his experience level, of, they say that that's one of those of you can't really understand the pressure and whatnot of the playoffs until you're involved in it. So get his take on this first year in that situation. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, sometimes things do come up, Jay, 
And uh, although we had the plan in place for a couple of weeks here, uh, we originally tried to get Chase on our Monday night show, and uh, he was not available. So we put a couple of other dates out there for Chase, and he told us that tonight was the best night. So, uh, But sometimes things do still come up. And uh, when that happens, sometimes even though we've had the plan in place, it does not always work out. So we'll kind of hang tight there. Uh, In the meantime, Jay, let's go ahead and start our uh, uh, Xfinity Series uh, notes here uh, for this uh, group uh, for the Xfinity Series. Okay. Okay, now the Xfinity... The Xfinity O'Reilly Auto Parts 300 will be at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend, Saturday, November the 2nd. Uh, They should start racing around 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The pre-race coverage will be on NBC Sports Network starting at 8 p.m. along with the radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, Stage 1 ends on lap 45, stage 2 on lap 90, and, of course, the last stage ends on the last lap. Last year's winner at Texas Motor Speedway was Cole Custer. All right, and when we took at the uh, media parade laps, we're going to take a look at one of our most recent first-time winners, and that's Brandon Jones Jay? in the number 19. Jay, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt okay. you because Chase is here now. Yep. So uh, okay. we're, we're going to bring Chase into the queue here. And uh, first of all, Chase, uh, welcome back to Fan for Racing Radio. Uh, we always enjoy having you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, well, uh, we're getting ready. We've been talking here about the Xfinity Series and uh, the uh, playoffs. You're currently sitting in fourth, but you're very, you're definitely within distance. You're only two points behind the fourth-place driver, Justin Allgaier, uh, and now we're heading into Texas Motor Speedway. So what are your thoughts going into Texas this weekend? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, obviously a tight tight points battle right now between Justin and I and uh, obviously if a guy below us wins a race or whatever happens uh, can really change things quickly so just try to go there and and do what we've done you know these 30 races previous and try to go there and win the race and uh, just do our best that's all you can do Okay. Now I've got a couple questions here uh, from uh, one of our fan for racing crew. They wanted they wanted me to ask you tonight. Uh, they're talking about how it's been a really successful season for you this year. You've got 24 top tens, 12 top fives, two poles, and of course your victory. So what's the difference between the first half of the season and the later part of the season that's allowed you to run uh, run very consistently, lead laps, and contend? I think just getting experience. I think that's the biggest thing is anytime you can just get seat time and uh, get used to driving these cars. You know, if you look at the big three guys with Bell and Custer and Reddick, they've all, you know, raced in the series for three or four years. And uh, that's a, that's a big deal. You know, anytime you have seat time, it's, uh, you know, a benefit to have that experience. And the first half of the year, I felt like, you know, I was just trying to get acquainted to the car and how it drove and, uh, you know, still going to a couple of racetracks for the first time. So uh, now that we've been able to go to some of these racetracks twice in an Xfinity car and just uh, getting that rhythm of, you know, running the car and knowing what it's going to do, it's been a lot easier on my end to, to show up to the racetrack and be more competitive. 
Okay, another question from Andy here is, how has your relationship with crew chief Richard Boswell and the 98 team at SHR evolved over time to allow your team to be a weekly threat to win? Yeah, I think, you know, with Richard and I working together, this is the first time that he's ever worked with a driver that, um, you know, had a dirt background. So uh, a couple of the words I would say, you know, he just didn't understand my lingo. So now that we've kind of worked through that and got through this first half of the season, uh, it's made a lot easier and he kind of knows what I'm looking for in the race car. Okay, that's great. Now, uh, with me tonight is our co-host, Jay Huseman, and I know Jay has some questions for you as well. So, Jay? All right, thanks, Sharon. Uh, Chase, uh, I actually, two of the ones I have are kind of follow-ups to ones that you had there. We'll start with the, uh, you mentioned that the relationship with your crew chief and the dirt track backgrounds. How do you feel that plays in? And I know you aren't don't get highlighted as much, but still do some dirt track racing. Um, and how that helps you, as well as finding that balance of uh, it's still a hobby you enjoy, obviously, um, but your focus is now on the the NASCAR Top 3 Series. Yeah, I definitely haven't been able to do as much dirt racing as I would like. I think it truly does help on the pavement side of things, but uh, it is tough, especially we don't really have very many off weekends anymore. So, uh, you know, we only really have three or four throughout the season, so it makes it tough, and now the playoffs are here. Uh, that's obviously the number one focus. So uh, I'll do some dirt racing in off season, go and do some indoor midget racing. But uh, during the season, obviously, a lot of our time is, is towards NASCAR stuff. All right. And following up on Andy's other question of, of that turning point or, you know, where, where you felt you think the season kind of really came together. And Sharon and I were there for, for covering the race as fan for racing. You're winning Chicagoland. And how does that play into Texas, again, as another mile-and-a-half? I know not all mile-and-a-halves are the same as a lot of people like to think, but it has to give you some type of confidence. Yeah, we've been really good on all the mile-and-a-halves this year, so hopefully that will correlate over to you know Texas this weekend. Uh, as a company, we've been really good on the mile-and-a-halves. I feel like that's kind of been our you know bread and butter of where we've been the best cars. So hopefully that will work. Texas is kind of you know a unique mile-and-a-half at really honestly different than every other mile and a half we go to just because the two ends are totally different. Really the only track it relates to is Kentucky. So I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, you know, we have a good package there. We kind of struggled there the first race this year, but uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's kind of a whole different mentality and we feel like we're a whole different team now than when we were there at the first race. So hopefully that'll feel. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if it was before you came on, but we went through. We have a little within our group have a uh, fantasy pick. So uh, you are my pick for this weekend. So uh, give me a little bit more confidence in that going into Texas. Yeah, hopefully it'll work out for you. All right. Now, my last the last two questions I got of we're talking about this, uh, and you talked about the experience level. This is your first time in the playoffs. Um, they say that, you know, you can't really know the pressure of the playoffs until you've been there. How has that been for you the first season? And then I'll have a follow-up question after. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the intensity certainly ratchets up. Um, you know, even last week or out of the last race in Kansas, it, it just felt like it was so much more intense and so much more on the line. So uh, there is a little bit of added pressure. Um, but at the same time, you know, every time we go out there on the racetrack, each and every week we're trying to win the race, I think – you just might race a little bit harder for those stage points, um, you know, especially 
early in the race where you might early in the season let a guy go for a position if you're holding him up or whatever now you race is literally everything you got trying to hold him off so you're definitely more conscious of where guys are that you're racing against in the playoffs and that intensity certainly ratchets up but it, it has been a little bit of a difference obviously from the regular season but i had a little bit of experience in the truck series being able to do it so uh, i feel like that definitely has helped all right, well, and then the next question, and I don't know if your plans are set for next year or if you can talk about them, but you talked about the experience level that's been there with Christopher Bell, uh, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer, and I know one of those hasn't made any announcements of their plans yet next year either, but looking that as far as where you move up in that line of succession, I guess, in the Xfinity Series, looking at next year. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that no matter what happens with those big three guys moving up, uh, there's always going to be heavy hitters in the Xfinity Series. No matter where you race, anywhere in the country, whether it's a local dirt track or short track, there's always going to be, you know, four to six guys that you got to beat week in and week out. And I think the Xfinity Series next year will still be the same. Uh, you're obviously going to still have Al Guy or you're going to have uh, Austin Sendrick. You're going to have guys moving up like Harrison Burton. So there's always going to be guys to beat. And obviously, we have the Cup guys coming down and racing with us too quite a bit. So it's never going to be easy, but it does certainly, I feel like, get a little bit easier with those, you know, three guys leaving. But at the same time, we've been able to run with them this year, uh, you know, especially these last weekends. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be nice that they move up. But at the same time, it's nice to know that you're racing against guys that are moving up to Cup. All right. Well, again, best of luck to you this weekend at, uh, in Texas and uh, ISM Raceway and heading into the championship four. And I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, Chase. Uh, again, going, going. I want to go back and talk a little bit about Texas uh, as we're doing our preview of the Texas race uh, for the Xfinity Series. Uh, from a driver's perspective, what do you think fans should watch for this weekend at Texas? Yeah, it's going to be uh, obviously intense just with the playoffs going on. Um, and the other thing is this place is really fast. It's what feels like in the race car is one of the fastest places we go to and you know, you have uh, and then like turns one and two where you have to almost, it feels like, come to a stop, but then you have three and four where you're almost wide open all the way around. So it's two totally different ends. Um, ever since they repaved that place, it's been really hard to pass, uh, and it's really treacherous just because there's really only one lane to, to run with. And it seems like if you get off that very bottom groove, uh, it gets really slick, and it's just easy to spin out. So. Uh, restarts are always really intense there just because guys are fighting for everything they got. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a really slippery track if you get off that bottom groove. So restarts make it tough if you're in that top lane. Okay. So restarts are going to be pretty important uh, as they always are. But, you know, last week or a couple weeks ago now, you had that great race at Texas, at Kansas Speedway. And I really thought, man, I thought you were going to come up with the win there. Uh, Chase, you were so close. Um, is there anything from Kansas, which is also a 1.5-mile track, uh, that you can relate to Texas? I know you said Kentucky is kind of the one that close, most closely relates to Texas, but is there anything you can take from Kansas? Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say. You know, Kansas is a place where we're right on the wall where, you know, you go to a place like Texas and you're not going to get off that, that bottom lane. So, there's not really a lot you can take. All the mile and a half, even though they're the same size, none of them really 
run the same and you know we run a different setup every track we go to so it's hard to really take anything away so you know we have a little bit of a notebook just because that first race at texas um and like i said we weren't the greatest there but hopefully we'll have a little bit to look back on and uh, and try to improve yeah yep i think that experience that you have uh so far this year has really uh helped you in the second half of this season without a doubt so um uh if if um we talked a little bit about your crew chief are there any other people that have been on your team that have really helped you this season uh in particular yeah i mean i think it's a whole collective effort everybody right uh, shr is really good about trying to help the drivers out whether it's you know crew members or you know personnel that are higher up and even the other drivers at the cup level, everybody wants to, to see the company succeed. And, um, you know, you notice that as a young driver coming in there for the first year that uh, they want you to do good and they want you to succeed. So, yeah, I think everybody there has been a big help to what we've been able to do, and hopefully we can just continue to build on that. Okay. Well, there's a lot of things that kind of remind people of, uh, you know, what you're doing and what Tony Stewart has done. Uh, you don't have the, any of the IndyCar experience, but you do drive different series and, and you enjoy the dirt racing. Uh, have you had a chance to, to get help and support from Tony himself? Yeah, Tony's obviously really busy um, running his sprint car over 100 races a year, running the All-Star Circuit of Champions, the sprint car series you're on, uh, Eldora, and then obviously the stuff on the NASCAR side. So uh, we don't see Tony a lot. Uh, at the racetrack just because he's normally racing himself, but uh, he is only a phone call away. And there's been a couple instances this year where, you know, I might be struggling at a racetrack or whatever, and I can always text him or call him and, you know, we'll talk for 30 to 45 minutes. So he's definitely right there anytime we need him, uh, even if he's not right there at the racetrack. But he tries to come to a couple races a year. So hopefully uh, I think he plans on being actually at Texas this weekend for us. So I'm sure we'll use that to, to our advantage. Yeah, Tony's been featured at Texas a few times. They do a good thing of uh, promoting the races at Texas Motor Speedway, so uh, that's really cool that he's going to be there uh, to help support you guys uh, at uh, Stuart Haas Racing that are racing this year. Now, Cole Custer's your teammate. Uh, Have you guys talked about what's going to happen if it comes down to the two of you fighting for the win at the end? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're – racing with a teammate it's tough um but you know we've both been running up front and i think as a company uh and even ford you know kind of lets it known up front that you guys race each other hard but definitely don't take each other out so uh, we we try to race as clean as we can but as hard as we can and you know there's going to be contact here and there but uh you just got to make sure you don't make too big a mistake and take each other out because at the end of the day we're both uh working for the same team and, and trying to win a championship for the same company so we got to keep it as clean as we can. Okay. Uh, now, Chase, I want to give you a chance if there's any other shout-outs that you want to do before we let you go because uh, uh, I know you've you've had a, a really great season this year, and uh, we just want to give you that chance and then let fans know how they can follow you to uh, find out what's uh, going on. When you're not racing Xfinity, I know you do some other racing. Yeah, you know, right now we've been doing a lot of racing with 
the Xfinity stuff and a little bit of dirt stuff and, and then the GT4 stuff. So, yeah, we got a lot of partners. Obviously, Ford Performance is the main one that, that kind of lets us get a race in, but uh, had Nutrichomps on the car earlier this year as well. And uh, there's a ton of, you know, obviously partners at Stuart Haas that, that make it all go around. So definitely couldn't do without them. Okay. And Chase Briscoe, you're on uh, Twitter as well as Facebook. And are you on Instagram as well? Yeah, it's uh, Chase Briscoe 5 on Twitter, then just Chase Briscoe on Facebook, and Briscoe underscore 5 on Instagram. So definitely give me a follow. I'm, I'm actually on there right now, so uh, check it out. <laughs> okay. Well, Chase, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. We always enjoy chatting with you and uh, catching up with things, and we wish you the best in these next couple of races uh, that you've got going on with the Xfinity Series and going after that championship. Yeah, thank you. We're uh, certainly trying. Thanks for having me. Okay, Chase. Uh, Take care now and good luck. Thank you. All right. Uh, That is Chase Briscoe with Stuart Haas Racing and uh, uh, always uh, gives us great information uh, when he comes on the show. And, you know, one of the drivers that we followed from his uh, ARCA Racing Series days with Cunningham Motorsports. So, uh, always fun to catch up with him. It is, and he's one that, again, is always great to sit down and talk to. Uh, like I said, listening to you have your interview with him there at Chicagoland um, prior to that win, um, you know, and, and what the, what we've seen him accomplish here again pretty much in the, in the second half of the season, not that he wasn't good in the first half, but as with any, especially as a as young driver, the second time you go to the tracks, the more you learn, the more experience you get. Uh, we've seen him really step up. Like he said, he's up there running and contending with these big three, as you will. So, uh, And he may very he well be that is. fourth and be that surprise to knock one of them out. Yes, indeed. And you know what? I, I really think that, uh, uh, you know, he commented about j- just the conversation between him and the crew chief and getting on the same page uh, with the conversation is so important, and that's what they've been able to accomplish this year. Uh, you know, and, and one of the biggest differences between the early part of the year and the second half where he's just really been up there contending each and every week. So, uh, again, just a fun interview. And we'll see how that continues this weekend again. Obviously, I have faith in him. He's my pick. But uh, uh, see how it plays <laughs> out this, this weekend at Texas. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, if, if somebody picks uh, Cole Custer, then I'm picking uh, Chase Briscoe's my next pick, so <laughs> I'm right there with you. Okay, uh, we do need to kind of get back to what we were doing here with the uh, Xfinity series. Uh, we're at 25 after, so we're about five minutes. Uh, we've got about 15 more minutes here that we can do. All right. Well, hit it real quick again. We were talking about the uh, media highlights. Brandon Jones, driver of the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota Supra, uh, born 1997, age 22, comes out of Atlanta, Georgia, uh, enjoys woodworking, antique car restoration, metal fabrication, as well as farming, and has crew chief Jeff Meandering as his crew chief. Uh, He made the Xfinity Series playoffs for the third time in his career this year. He won his first Xfinity Series career race at Kansas Speedway just two weeks ago. 
Uh, looking back in 2018, he tallied a career best finish of second at Talladega and reached the playoffs for the second time. At that time, finishing a career best ninth in the standings. His first career pole came at Daytona in the first race in 2017. And again, 2016, he made the inaugural Xfinity Series playoffs in his rookie season, at that time career best 10th in the standings. Looking at his season highlights for 2019, he's ranked 10th in the standings in 30 starts. He's produced one win at Kansas, five top fives, 14 top tens, and an average finish of 15.3, winning three stages and accumulating four playoff points. When we look at Texas, he's made seven starts at Texas, posting two top tens. Okay, next up we have Tyler Reddick in the number two for Richard Childress Racing, uh, and his crew chief is Randall Burnett. Now, he won the 2019 regular season championship. Uh, he also won the uh, 2018 Xfinity Series champion, and he's also won the R- Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors in 2018. He's just the third driver in history to win the title during his rookie season, joining drivers Chase Elliott, who did it in 14, and William Byron, who did that in 17. Also in 2017, he captured the first uh, victory in his Xfinity Series career at Kentucky while running a partial schedule, uh, and right now he has eight series career wins. This year, uh, he again, he's the regular season champion. He's currently ranked third in the playoff points at 3,094 points. He's just 37 points ahead of fifth-place driver Chase Briscoe. In 30 starts this season, he's posted three poles at Daytona, California, and the second Daytona wet race. He has five wins at Talladega, Charlotte, Michigan, Bristol, and Las Vegas, 21 top fives and 24 top tens. He leads the series in both top fives and top tens this season. He also has four stage wins and accumulated 44 uh, playoff points. At Texas, he's got uh, four starts at Texas, and in those starts he has two top five finishes. All right, and the last one to highlight is the driver of the number double zero, Stuart Haas, racing Ford Mustang of Cole Custer, coming out of Ladero Ranch, California. He's 21 years of age, born January 23rd, 1998, enjoys watching sports, and his crew chief is Mike Shiplett. Now, in 2018, he made the championship four, ultimately finishing runner-up in the final standings, while his number double zero four did win the owner's title for Stuart Haas Racing. He made the playoffs and finished fifth in his rookie year in 2017. And he has nine career Xfinity Series wins, which include uh, Homestead, Miami, Texas, Auto Club, Richmond, Pocono, Chicago, Kentucky, Darlington, and Dover. And that includes last season's playoff race at Texas Motor Speedway to win his way into that championship four. When we look at this season, he's currently ranked second in the standings with 33,095 points, 38 points ahead of fifth place Chase Briscoe we just talked to. In 30 starts, he's posted six polls coming at Bristol, Dover, Pocono, Iowa, New Hampshire, and Las Vegas, and seven wins uh, came in California, Richmond, Pocono, Chicago, Kentucky, Darlington, and then the second trip to Dover. Overall, he's had 15 top fives and 21 top tens 
uh, winning eight stages and accumulating those 50 playoff points. We talked about Texas Motor Speedway. He's made five starts there, putting up the one win in last season's playoff race, as well as four top fives. All right. Now we'll cover a few of the uh, other points here for the Xfinity Series. Uh, there's some milestones on the line this weekend. Uh, Ryan Sieg will attempt his 66 uh, different driver in series history uh, to become the 66 different driver in history to make 200 or more starts in the Xfinity Series. He began his career back in 2013, and he's made the playoff twice, including this season. Uh, and also, if Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell wins this weekend, uh, he will tie the former series champion Jeff Green and Joe Nemechek for 18th on the series all-time wins list with 16 victories. So uh, also, not since the spring race of 2008 has an Xfinity Series race at Texas been one from a starting spot that's outside the top ten. So all three of the playoff races have been one from starting spots inside the top five. Uh, in 2016, the fifth starting spot. In 17, it was the pole. And in 18, it was from third. So something to keep an eye on this weekend. We also have the uh, playoff, uh, playoff Texas playoff parity for the manufacturers. All three manufacturers have visited Victory Lane at Texas during the playoffs. In 16, it was Chevrolet, 17, Toyota, and in 18, it was a Ford. And then we've got the Sunoco Rookie of the Year playoff update. Just two Xfinity, si- just two Xfinity Series drivers uh, and rookies remain eligible for the end-of-the-season honors as only Stuart Haas Racing with Fred Briaggi's uh, Chase Briscoe and Junior Motorsports' Noah Gregson have advanced into the round of eight. So Briscoe currently holds a 37-point lead over Gregson as they head into Texas. So uh, just some uh, tidbits there to be aware of going into this weekend. And we highlighted this kind of last week already but talked about Joe Gibbs racing Brandon Jones becoming the latest winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series with his victory at Kansas and the second first-time winner of the season joining Austin Sindrick from Watkins Glen and Mid-Ohio. Every season since the series' inception in 1982, there's been at least one new winner totaling 160 different drivers. You can look at that chart. It's up on jski.com. Over the last 10 seasons, from 2011 to 19, the series has produced 32 different new winners um, on the, the series. Now, when we look specifically at Texas Motor Speedway, they joined the schedule in 1997, and they have produced five first-time winners and all the names you've heard before. Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 98, Kurt Busch in 2006, Trevor Bain in 2011, Chase Elliott in 2014, and Eric Jones in 2015. So that's something to look forward to at Texas. Okay. Also, we've we've been talking about it, are the drivers who are chasing the big three in the Xfinity Series. We'll go every other one here, Jay. Uh, We'll start with uh, Austin Sindrick in that number 22 for Team Penske. He's currently eighth in the final spot for the playoff round of eight standings after an incident in Kansas on lap 71 that gave him a 25th place finish. Right now, Team Penske uh, standout dropped four spots in the playoff standings and now has a 
mountain to get him in over in these next two races. In 30 starts this season, Cindric's has uh, two wins at Watkins Glen in mid-Ohio, 13 top fives, 21 top tens, and an average uh, finish of 9.3. He's made three series starts at Texas uh, with one top five, two top tens, and an average finish of 7.7. He finished third in this race last year. That makes him one to watch this weekend. Next up would be Noah Gregston in the number nine Junior Motorsports Chevrolet, seventh in the standings following Kansas, 17 points behind Junior Motorsports teammate Justin Algar. In 30 starts, he's had eight top fives, 20 top tens, and an average finish of 8.8. He made his series track debut at Texas earlier this season, starting 16th and finishing 13th. And he's one that's looking for his first-time win. Okay. Also, Michael Annette in that number one for Junior Motorsports. Annette settled in the sixth position in the NASCAR Xfinity Series point standings. He's 12 points back from his teammate, Justin Algauer, in fourth. In 30 starts this season, Annette has one win at Daytona, six top fives, 18 top tens, and an average finish of 10.0. Among playoff contenders, he has the second most starts at Texas with 14, but has just two top ten finishes there, including his career best finish at the track of sixth earlier this season. Well, and we talked about our guest, uh, the number 98 Stuart Haas racing with Fred Biaggi, Chase Briscoe, again currently in the fifth spot in the standings, the first spot outside the cutoff and he's only two points behind Justin Algar. On the season, he's posted the one win at Iowa, uh, two, 12 top fives, 24 top tens, and an average finish of 7.9. Now, Briscoe made two starts at Texas, both spring races in 18 and 19, posting one top five, uh, fourth earlier this season, and he has an average finish of 7.5. Again, he's one of the two rookies left in the postseason. Okay. Uh, Also, Justin Algauer, who's now sitting in that fourth spot, he's in the number seven for Junior Motorsports, uh, and 35 points behind Tyler Reddick, and only two points up on fifth-place Sunoco rookie Chase Briscoe. In 30 starts this season, Algauer has put up 15 top fives, 22 top tens, and an average finish of 9.1. Now, of the playoff contenders, Algauer has the most experience at Texas, having made 18 starts there while posting one top five, eight top tens, and his average finish there is 13.1. Well, and then, obviously, we talked about their chasing the top three, or the big three, and that's Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell, Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer, and Richard Childress Racing's Tyler Reddick. They're only separated by a mere 12 points in the playoff standings with just these two races left and decide who moves on to the championship floor in Miami. Bell holds that playoff lead uh, after Kansas, followed by Custer back 11, and then Tyler Reddick back 12 in third. Custer is the defending Texas playoff race winner. The Stuart Haas racing driver led 16 laps and grabbed that checkered flag last season to secure his, secure his position in the championship four. It's one of his better tracks in five starts. Again, he's got one win in the playoffs, four top fives, average finish of 9.8, which is best of the big three. Now, JGR's Bell found, has a lot of success at Texas as well, 
in four starts. He's had two poles, two top fives, three top tens, and an average finish of 10.8. He sat on the pole for last season, led 35 laps, but finished 32nd due to an incident. So watch for him to rebound this weekend as the rising star finished third on the 1.5 mile earlier this season. Now, last season, this Texas playoff race was a big step in Reddick's ascension to the championship four and ultimately the title as he finished runner-up to take the standings lead heading into Phoenix. This year, the RCR driver, Reddick, is on pace to defend his title. In four starts at Texas, he's posted two top fives and an average finish of 15.0. Okay, now just uh, to quickly summarize here so we can move on to our next uh, preview. The big three uh, competition has really had made tensions run pretty high. Uh, all of us remember the uh, confrontation between uh, Cole Custer and Tyler Reddick uh, that took place after the Kansas race. So, uh, I would expect more of that. Uh, they made contact in the closing laps. Uh, Reddick finished second while Custer fell back to an 11th place finish. Bell rebounded from an incident on lap 185 to finish 12th. So all these guys are going to be uh, going after it uh, as they go into Texas, and uh, I'm sure we'll still see uh, some tensions uh, at the close of that race. Now, just two races at Texas and ISM Raceway determine who the uh, Final Four are going to be. Uh, Texas has hosted the fifth event of the seventh race uh, Xfinity Series playoff since its inception in 2016. There's been three different drivers that have won the Texas Xfinity playoff race, and in all three of the previous, uh, uh, but only one was a playoff contender. In all three of the previous Texas playoff races, the eventual series champion has finished in the top ten. So uh, uh, the, what I'm going to do is I am going to post this on uh, Fan for Racing, uh, a, a little bit of a recap here for 16, 17, and 18 of the playoff races that have taken place at Texas Motor Speedway. So moving on now to the NASCAR Cup Series. We will. They will be racing the AAA Texas 500 at Texas Motor Speedway on Sunday, November the 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, uh, the pre-race coverage will be on NBC Sports Network starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern with radio coverage on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing at a distance of 501 miles, 334 laps, Stage 1 ending on lap 85, stage 2 on lap 170, and the last stage on the last lap, lap 334. Last year's winner, Jay, was Kevin Harvick. All right. Well, I'll take a look at the parade laps from the Cup Series. I'm going to start with Daniel Suarez, age 27, out of Monterey, Mexico. Now, he just missed the playoffs, but is still well, still well within reach of a posting career-best overall statistics. The third-year cup driver has three top five finishes, tying his career best mark. His top ten, ten top ten finishes are only two off of his best mark with three races remaining this season. Now, certainly the playoff portion of the schedule has turned out to be rough for driver the number 41 Stuart Haas racing forward. He's only had one top ten in six races and finishes of 30th, four finishes of 30th or worse, including the last three weeks. He trails seven-time cup champion Jimmy Johnson by nine points to be 
tops among the non-playoff drivers in this week's Texas Motor Speedway has been one of his better tracks. He scored a clear best third there at Texas this March, leading nine laps. He has two top five finishes there, both the Xfinity, a fifth place, and the Gander Outdoor Truck Series, also a fifth place. He'll be sporting a special helmet this weekend, designed by Dallas-based artist Augustin Chavez, who is also from his home state of Nuevo Leon, Mexico. He's known locally for his mural designs. The helmet was uh, developed the Dia de la Mirtos, or Day of the Dead, which is celebrated on November 1st and 2nd. That graphic design was applied to Daniel's helmet. It's inspired by the uh, Cavalera or Sugar Skull, which is one of the most iconic and colorful items you'll see during those festivities in the Sugar Skull or Cavalera. These skulls can come in all sizes and are made of sugar and decorated with icing to be fun and colorful. Okay. Next up is Chase Elliott, 23, from Dawsonville, Georgia. Uh, and he's pretty in pretty much a must-win situation uh, after his 36th place finish last week at Martinsville in his number nine. He suffered some pretty early mechanical issues, uh, and that race was, of course, a very stark contrast to his runner-up finish at Kansas just a week earlier. He has a playoff win at the Charlotte Roval. He has four top tens and seven playoff races. And he trails fourth place Joey Logano by a substantial 44 points right now. Now, the good news for Elliott is that the series is now headed to a track that's been a bright spot on his resume. He won his first Xfinity Series race there in 2014 and route to that championship. And he has five top ten finishes and seven cup starts, including a best showing of fourth place in the 2016 playoff. He was sixth there last year in the playoff race, and he finished 13th last May after leading a career-best 35 laps. So Chase Elliott won to watch. Next up will be Kyle Larson out of Elk Grove, California, at age 27. Now, he's got ground to make up as well if he hopes to advance to his first-ever championship four. He is a playoff winner, taking the win at Dover four weeks ago and has four top ten finishes in the seven playoff races to date. His ninth-place effort at Martinsville last weekend has him ranked seventh in the seventh of the eight playoff drivers. He's 24 points out of the fourth-place transfer position, currently occupied by Cup champion Joey Logano. As this week at Texas's 1.5-mile venue has been hit or miss for the popular driver, the number 42 Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet. He has four top tens three top five finishes with a career best showing of runner-up in the spring coming in 2017. Had a little bit of tough luck as of late, though, crashing out of three of the last four Texas races, and that including a 39th this spring after being collected in the wreck. But his lone finish in the last four races was an encouraging fifth place in last year's playoff race. Now, Joey Logano, um, I'm sorry, did I get ahead? Yeah, Miss Kyle Bush. Oh, okay, Kyle Bush. Okay. Uh, Kyle Bush, 34, from Las Vegas, is coming off a 14th place finish at Martinsville last weekend. 
Uh, he's a regular season champion, uh, but he only has three top ten finishes in the seven playoff races so far. His best showing was a runner-up finish at Richmond, but that was back in September after he led a 202 laps, the best of the race. A four-time winner this season, Bush's last victory, though, in the number 18 for Joe Gibbs Racing was at Pocono 19 races ago. Twelve of his 14 top ten finishes have been top five efforts, and he's led nearly 1,000 laps this year, 930. Among the eight playoff drivers, Bush and his JGR teammate Denny Hamlin boast the best winning record at this week's Texas Motor Speedway. They both have three victories there. Bush's last victory came in the spring uh, 2018 race, and it is one of only two top ten finishes in the last five Texas races. He's led 66 laps and finished 10th in March. He was 17th in the playoffs race of the year last year. And in 2015, uh, he was ranked third in the standings with only a three-point advantage to fourth-place Jerry Morgano. He trails second-place Hamlin now by seven points. Well, I'm speaking of Joey Logano. He's 29 years of age, coming out of Middleton, Connecticut, and he's eager to right his playoff ship. The defending series champion only has three top ten finishes in the seven playoff races. His best was the eighth place at Martinsville on Sunday. The last victory was 18 races ago when he won at Michigan from the pole. And driver the number 22 Penske Ford does, however, uh, remain ranked fourth in the remain remain ranked fourth with the top four drivers advancing to Homestead Miami. He holds a 14-point edge on fifth-place Kevin Harvick, who is a two-time Texas winner, and trails regular season champion Kyle Busch by only three points. Now, Logano is a former Texas winner as well, earning the spring 2014 victory. He led a race-best 170 laps in the 2016 Texas playoff race, only to finish second, however. He has six top tens in the last seven races, with a 17th-place run this past March. Now, he was third in the playoff race here last year. Okay, William Byron, 21, from Charlotte, North Carolina, equaled his career-best effort in the Cup Series with a runner-up finish at Martinsville on Sunday. Now, the driver of the 24 for Hendrick Motorsports also finished second at Daytona this summer. His Martinsville work, along with his fifth-place effort at Kansas the previous week, marks the first time in his two-year Cup career that he scored back-to-back top fives. It's been a career year for the series' youngest competitor. He earned his personal best five top five, 13 top ten finishes, and qualified for his first playoffs, although he did not advance to the round of eight. His five pole positions tie him with veteran Kevin Harvick for the most in the season, and he returns to Texas, where he finished sixth after starting on the outside pole. He celebrated in Texas Victory Lane winning the 2016 Summer Gander Outdoor Truck Series race there. All right, now we're going to take a look at the overall competition with an update. And the uptick in that at the Monster Energy Cup Series level continues as it hits its playoff peak, and that's evident both on track and in the record books. Statistically, the series is enjoying one of the most competitive seasons 
with new milestones being met each week of racing. The Joe Gibbs Racing Team turned in another record-setting race weekend at Martinsville with Denny Hamlin earning his third pole position of the year and teammate Martin Truex Jr. claiming his series-best seventh victory of the year. Hamlin has earned all of the Joe Gibbs Racing Team's poles positions this year. Veteran Kevin Harvick and second-year cup competitor William Byron lead the series with five poles each. Now, Truex's win extended the JGR's team's best win mark to 17 victories in 33 races, or 51.5% on the season. In addition to his seven trophies, Hamlin has five, regular season champion Kyle Busch has four, and Eric Jones has one. All four drivers qualified for the playoffs, and currently Truex, Hamlin, and Busch continue to lead the championship standings. Overall, there's been 13 different race winners. I'm sorry? Go ahead. Finish. Okay. Um, There's been 13 different race winners representing six race teams. Truex's 3.373 second victory over Byron last weekend marked the 18th time in those 33 races that the margin of victory has been less than one second, which is 54.5%. The average number of race leaders at 9.12 is the most since the 2014 campaign at 10.09. Average number of lead changes, uh, 17.55, is at a four-year high. And the year-over-year comparison for green flag passes for the lead is up 48.3% over 2018. It's been up in 22 of the 33 races, including all seven of the 1.5-mile tracks, such as Texas Motor Speedway. There's an increase in overall green flag passes. It's up 27.4% over last season and been higher in 19 of the 33 races so far. And lastly, in the playoffs, the stats are even more striking. Green flag passes for the lead are up 88.2% over last year, and all green flag passing in general up 31.1%. Okay. Now, John Hunter Nemechek is actually going to be making his Cup Series debut uh, this weekend. He's been tabbed as the driver for the 36 uh, for Front Row Motorsports for the rest of this season. Matt Tift, of course, is out of the car he required medical attention at Martinsville Speedway and was transported uh, to the local hospital last Saturday and did not compete in Sunday's race. According to the team's press release, Tap is undergoing further evaluation under the care of his medical team, and Front Row Motorsports says that it hopes the 23-year-old will return to the driver's seat once he's medically cleared. Now, Tift earned his first Cup Series uh, top 10 finish in ninth place at Daytona this summer. He has four top 20 finishes and most recently a 13th place showing at Talladega. He finished in the top 10 uh, in the Xfinity Series Championship in 2017 and 18 with a career best showing of a runner-up at Road America in 2018. Nemechek, just 22 years old, is the son of four-time Cup Series driver and winner Joe Nemechek. He's uh, making his debut at Texas this weekend. 
currently an Xfinity Series rookie. He is now ranked ninth in the series standings with four top five and 16 top ten finishes. He won the Xfinity Series race at Kansas in 2017 while driving part-time in the series and is a six-race winner in the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. So uh, watch for John Hunter and Nemechek to be behind the wheel of uh, that number 36 car for Front Row Motorsports this weekend. And we wish uh, Matt Tift uh, the best in his recovery. Uh, most certainly. It is now time to Texas toot step, though, of the eight Monster Energy Cup Series playoff drivers remaining um, for a position in the championship four. Four of them have never won at Texas Motor Speedway or ISM Raceway. Last week's winner, Martin Truex, a seven-time race winner of the season, is uh, one looking for his first-time win at either track. He does have a pair of runner-up finishes at Texas, including the 2017 playoff season when he went on to win his cup title. The work at Phoenix is similar. He was runner-up there in March and has earned three, three, and earned three of his four career top five finishes in just the last four races on the one-miler. He was 14th in last year's playoff race. Although he suffered a frustrating 37th place finish at Texas in March, Blaney has a positive history at the big track with three top 10 finishes in nine starts. He won the pole position and finished runner-up in last year's November playoff race, leading 40 laps. He's currently ranked sixth among the eight playoff drivers, 15 points behind Joey Logano for the cutoff position. Now, when it comes to Phoenix, the number 12 team Penske driver again fares well. He won the pole position, finished third in March, and the 94 laps he led, or a bulk of the 108 career laps, led there. He also won the pole position for the 2017 playoff race and has three top 10 finishes in seven Phoenix starts. Kyle Larson comes into Texas Motor Speedway, seventh in the standings, 24 points behind the cutoff. Driver the number 42. Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet is fresh off the top 10 at Martinsville, a track that has historically delivered heartbreak. But his history at Texas has been one of extremes as we covered. Three top fives, including a runner-up showing in April of 2017 and fifth in last year's playoff race. However, he crashed out of three of the last four, including this past April. Now, the ISM Raceway, that would be appear to be right in Larson's wheelhouse, he has five top 10 finishes in 11 starts, including a runner-up in the spring of 2017. He was sixth there in March and seems to have his best outings during the fall playoff stretch with third-place finishes in both 2016 and 18 playoff races. And last, we find Chase Elliott essentially coming into a must-win situation in these final two races. He's 44 points behind the cutoff, and he has celebrated at the track's Victory Lane before, earning his first Xfinity Series win there in 2014 en route to his first series championship. He has five top tens and seven starts, including the first four cup races he ran there. Best showing is fourth in the 2016 playoffs. He finished sixth in the Texas playoff race last year, 13th this past March. Now, ISM, under the newly reconstructed uh, layout, is similarly encouraging to the number nine Hendrick Motorsport Chevrolet. He has four top tens in seven starts with a best showing of runner-up finish in the 2017 playoff race. He started on the outside of the pole and finished 14th in March. 
Okay, now a couple of other things here for fans to be aware of as we go into Texas for the Cup Series is Bush and Logano are riding some long droughts. Two of the season's most competitive championship contenders, Kyle Larson and then the defending champion, Joey Logano, remain among the top four in the Cup Series playoff standings, uh, but both of them are overdue to victory for a return to victory lane. Uh, Bush, a four-race winner in the regular season, holds uh, heads into the race this weekend, ranked third in the standings, seven points behind second-place Hamlin. He's 20 points uh, behind the leader uh, and Joe Gibbs Racing teammate Martin Truex. He's already secured a spot in the championship four with his win last weekend at Martinsville. So right now, Martin Truex Jr. is the only driver who has secured that championship four spot. Now, Logano's a two-time race winner uh, for the season and challenged Bush for the regular season title. He's currently fourth in the standings, three points behind Bush, uh, and 14 points ahead of Kevin Harvick. But for all their early season success, neither Bush nor Logano have won a race since June, taking the checkered flag in consecutive weekends. They each only have three top ten showings through the opening seven races of the playoffs. So, uh, And neither of them have earned top ten in consecutive playoff races. So that's going to be something to watch this weekend for those two drivers. Also, You've got uh, Hamlin, uh, who has been on a championship path. Uh, He's been an example of sustained excellence for the playoffs. He won the 2005, uh, he won the Daytona 500 uh, earlier this year. It was his second victory at the most famous track in the sport. Uh, And he's got five victories, actually, uh, which is the largest single season trophy haul for. Uh, Denny Hamlin. He's won eight times uh, in his uh, 2010 championship runner-up season, and he has 18 top five, fin- top five finishes this year, and a, that's a personal best along with his 22 top 10 efforts. He ties had personal high set in 2016 and 17. So uh, those drivers are really uh, looking to do well at Texas along with uh, high expectations for Kevin Harvick, who is the defending winner at Texas Motor Speedway and has some amazing stats at that track. So uh, he'll definitely be one of the drivers to watch this weekend as well at Texas Motor Speedway. So with that, Jay, uh, we're about we're at the top of the hour, and it is now time for us to start our. Um, Okay, it's a it's a time for us to start our um, what you call it <laughs> hot topic. Hot topic. That's our hot topic sound off. So I was just reading you're taking Chase Elliott here. Why don't we go ahead uh, yes, and I am. real quick give our picks? All right. <laughs> um, I'll uh, start with the Cup Series and let you think on that. I think you're the final one on the Cup side since you're coming <laughs> off your victory with Martin Truex You think at I Martinsville. have to think very long? Well, that's, yeah, I suppose, since Martin Truex is still available. But uh, <laughs> um, Let's see. James on the Cup side. James kicked it off with Joey Logano. Andy took Denny Hamlin. 
Sam took Kyle Busch, and I took Chase Elliott. Do I need to pen in here Martin Truex for you? Yes, I have Martin Truex Jr. for the Cup Series. All right. And then sliding over to the Xfinity Series, I believe we got all those in now. Um, Yep, Sam was the last one. So there, Tyler Reddick went first to James. Sharon, you took Cole Custer for, I think I counted the eighth or ninth week in a row, going to ride that train. I changed it up a little bit and kind of stole one from Andy. I took Chase Briscoe, as I mentioned earlier. So Andy went with Christopher Bell. And Sam, coming off his uh, top finish of the last week at Kansas, took Justin Allgaier. So I'll get those out here on social media throughout the night um, prior to this weekend. All right. Uh, Now then, we're ready for our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off here as well. There's a lot going on. Uh, We mentioned earlier there's a new team uh, that has been announced. Uh, Our Motorsports has announced a full-time Xfinity Series team this year uh, with driver Andy Seuss, who comes from the Modified uh, and Arkham Menard Series. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch him racing uh, this this uh, year, or in 2020, I should say. It is, and again, what I take from it is is the fact that teams are still new teams are coming in. You know, you're not just looking at either a shuffling up uh, teams that are already there. I know uh, obviously a benefit to the alliances uh, of top tier teams working with some of the underfunded or uh, part-time ones uh, helps the sport, but a new team forming and coming in to me is a good sign for the sport. Yes, I I believe it is as well. And and I'm pretty excited about having Andy uh, on board uh, for that full 2020 season, I think he has the potential to really shake things up a little bit. <clears throat> it cer- certainly does, uh, and we've seen several of the drivers, uh, Martin Truex being one of them, that, that we can name right off the top of modified drivers coming from the modified out of the Northeast. Uh, I don't know that Joey Logano spent a lot of time in the modifieds as he went into the legends as well, but uh, that's still the background they come from, and that goes back all the way back to the Bodines um, in NASCAR history. So some very, very great talent comes out of the Northeast as well as er- other areas mm-hmm. out of these modifieds. That is so true. Okay, now also uh, uh, I saw another little tidbit here on Jay Ski's Hondas uh, talking about joining NASCAR uh, that are interested Uh, Yeah, I just pulled that up. I didn't get a chance to scroll through the entire article. I know this one's kind of been in the news uh, for the past couple of years. Um, Again, and I think what we're looking at is probably the 2021 season with the next-gen car. Um, It's unfortunate, but if you think about it, of spending any kind of money or an investment into next year, kind of be considered a waste, if you will, um, being that the next-gen car is due out in 2021. Um, and again, things like this, especially a manufacturer entering into NASCAR, obviously you can't walk into it lightly. So if that's the case and what they are looking at, 2021 certainly makes sense. Um, you know, we might see some, uh, hopefully maybe see some, uh, dipping their toe in the water, if you will, next year, um, without spending a whole lot of money. 
um, if that's, again, the route they decide to go again. None of this, they didn't make any specific commitments, but the the fact that the interest is there, and I fall for it all the time. I know Dodge, they occasionally hear that as well. I would love to see Dodge come back uh, being a Mopar person, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, again, I think these are all great signs for the future of the sport. Yes, I think there's a, a number of good signs there. Uh, and and budget, it always comes down to the budget and what makes the most sense. And that's what Honda is saying. Uh, they'll make their move. If they make their move, they'll do it when it makes the most sense for them uh, from a budget uh, perspective. So I think that's smart, especially looking at what's happening right now. But uh, it's good to know that they are keeping their eye on NASCAR as a potential. <clears throat> what's on your hot topic what? list, Jay? Well, you kind of mentioned it there of uh, John Hunter Nemechek uh, making his debut yeah. this weekend. Um, obviously not under, and I listened to an interview with him with uh, Dave Moody on Sirius XM Speedway. Obviously not under the ideal conditions of how you want to get your first start, uh, replacing Matt Tift, who is going to have to be out now the, the final three races of the season. Um, but it is still the opportunity. The curious thing that I found and saw a lot of feedback on is the fact that John Hunter Nemechek has primarily been and is currently an Xfinity Series Chevrolet driver and is driving a Ford. So he talked about some of the coordination that that took. He appreciated uh, Chevy allowing him to step up into the Cup Series for these three races and drive a Ford. But more interestingly, uh, the fact that there's been a lot of, of possibility and talk about Cole Custer being a Ford driver, possibly going to that team as an alliance to Stuart Haas Racing, and that is not who is selected to fill in. Yeah, that is kind of interesting because that seems to be about the only place uh, that's available for him at this point, other than taking David Reagan's seat that's being opened up. And I apologize for my voice. I'm obviously coming down with something here. (laughs) But uh, um, I would say that that is a bit surprising. You would think that they would try to bring up Cole Custer, but part of that may be that they're trying to keep him focused on on winning a championship, and they don't want to distract him from that uh, during the playoffs. So uh, in some respects it makes sense as well. That that certainly is a possibility, but uh, to me, I kind of see it as, and I can't remember whose Twitter feed I saw it on. It wasn't one of the top NASCAR analysts, but um, it almost, to me, kind of kind of shows that that door might be closed, that that's not going to be an option for Cole Custer. But like you said, it might be that they just didn't want to, in that case, being that he is battling for an Xfinity Series championship. Um, so we'll have to wait and see again. We haven't heard much news out of that camp as of yet. Uh, still just a, a lot of speculation. And I know one of the ones we read from last week said that they too, kind of like I mentioned with Honda, excuse me, um, might be looking at waiting until the 2021 season as well and bring him directly into that next gen car rather than a year in this car and then a new year again in 2021. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that, um, uh, you know, the seat opened up there with Matt Tiff's situation, but 
But uh, I, I'm glad to see John Hunter Nemechek getting an opportunity to to move up in the cup as well. I think he deserves that as an as an opportunity. I don't see it as a closing of the door. Uh, I'm not sure who made that that comment, but I really don't think that that's the case. I think it's more likely that they are uh, keeping him focused on his championship run. So I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. Well, and it could be again, and I know Andy has said this uh, several times that, that, you know, we don't know all the information, you know, they may have a plan set in place and that, you know, we just don't know it yet. So again, it doesn't quite fit in their path of what they have set, even though they haven't announced what it is yet. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Absolutely. All right. What's next on your list? Actually, I didn't have a whole lot for the only other one uh, tonight, and I didn't get to watch the whole interview. Uh, Kyle Busch was on NASCAR America today with, um, what is it called, Motor Motor Mouth. Uh, He was their guest on there. And, again, I was getting ready for the show tonight, so I didn't get to fully sit down and listen to it. But the Todd Gilliland situation was addressed. Uh, Kyle handled it really well. He said, yeah, the comment was made. They've talked about it in per or on the phone as well, you know, and Todd did apologize for it. Um, obviously, we all know the reason that, that it was there, the fact that some of the stuff Kyle Bush said earlier in the year, but he also did make it clear, Todd Gillen, and he said would be finishing out the year. He has not been fired at this point. I don't know what his contract is beyond this year, but there again, it didn't sound like that door was necessarily closed either, so... Uh, again, we'll have to wait and see. We haven't heard anything there as far as next year's plans with Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series. Okay. Well, that's kind of encouraging uh, to a certain degree. But I do think that Todd Gilliland has a backup if, uh, for whatever reason, uh, it does not work out for Kyle Busch Motorsports for the 2020 season. Uh, I think DGR Crossley will certainly have a seat for him. So, Again, it's one of those things we kind of have to wait and see how it plays out. But uh, right now, uh, it's good to hear that Kyle Bush say that that door is not closed yet. Uh, most certainly. And, again, I think Todd is very talented, and we've seen it in the past. Sometimes, uh, no matter what, even if you've won a race or two, the the situation it just isn't right. And I use Joey Logano with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, he had picked up a win or two, but it just wasn't clicking like it should be. He moved over to Team Penske. He became a Monster NG Cup-level champion. So uh, sometimes that change of scenery is is the necessary move. That's true. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it may be that uh, it, it may be that that's what Todd needs as well. It, it uh, You know, some people deal with pressure a lot differently than other people. And, um, you know, there is a point where you get so much pressure, you become less productive versus more productive. And, uh, you know, it, it, it may be that their styles, you know, Kyle Bush's style of management and that environment is just not uh, what helps him click on the racetrack. So, we'll, again, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, but I agree with you. There's not a whole lot on the on the docket for this week. Uh, we've just kind of had a flush of uh, news 
that has been coming out in previous weeks, but this week's been uh, kind of quiet so far. Um, the only one, that, and I don't remember when this came out, this is the 29th, uh, that I had on my list that, and I know came across uh, a lot of the, the talk shows was the Pocono uh, Raceway Weekend from June 25th through 28th in 2020. Um, going to feature five NASCAR and ARCA races in four days, which includes two NASCAR Cup Series races t- taking place on back-to-back days, which will be the first in NASCAR history. Um, the Arkham yeah. and Ardsville race, I believe, on Thursday. Saturday will be the truck race, followed by the first cup race. Sunday will be the Xfinity race, and then the second cup race. And it does give, and I'm looking for the the article, it's actually about the uh, length of the two races. The truck's race yeah, is the three. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Saturdays following the truck race will be a 325-mile race, and then Sunday following the Xfinity Series will be a 350-mile race. Um, But that whole weekend layout and what the fan response to that was, and that is one of those, and i got to look at uh, my schedule here coming up here. i got to start looking at next year. To me, that weekend, uh, we've talked to, we've done Chicago and Iowa uh, for some big weekends. But that one there, you're talking five races over four days at a track like Pocono, a very beautiful area to visit as well, um, might be the best value as far as a, a weekend package deal. That's exactly my thought when I read that, is that that's a big bang for your buck. Uh, and that's exactly what I think NASCAR needs to be doing for a lot of the, some of these race things. And maybe we don't have to do it at every race. I'm not advocating that by any means. Uh, so I don't want to take it from one extreme to another here. But I think it's a great value. And uh, I think that the more they do great value kind of things, the more they're going to engage fans. And uh, I know Chicagoland feels like a great value too to me because you get those four races, and the, all four races at Chicagoland Speedway have been fantastic over the last couple of years. Uh, fans want to come back and see more of that. So I think that that really is a good deal. It is, and I know that uh, they talked about that. Obviously, uh, Pocono was one that was, uh, if you want to look at it from the aspect of, of really in threat of losing a race date, this allows them to keep two races, albeit in the same weekend. But there are other tracks, especially when you talk about possibly breaking up this season for these drivers and teams, uh, the amount of time that they are on the road, doing something like that shortens that they then have an off weekend um, to spend with back at home with time and family and might not get burnt out and, and wore out as quickly. So um, I think that depending on the success of this weekend, and like you said, Chicago has seemed to work great and that's not, and not being a double header, but just having the four races Packages like that on a track for a weekend for multiple races um, could r- work really well. I think that in my mind, there's a couple others that, that maybe need to look at that depending on the success of Pocono and then NASCAR looking at that schedule. And the other possibility is that it does then also even open up maybe getting some new venues, you know, because you're, you're taking away, not adding a race weekend. It may add a race, but not a race weekend 
Um, so that might open the door for other venues as far as a possibility as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of toll it takes on the drivers to have two races during the same weekend. Uh, I think that's going to play into whether or not this is something that's feasible uh, at other tracks down the road. But uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the drivers respond. Well, I know during the interview I listened to, and I believe, uh, I think it was Ray Abraham that also came in 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 the following part of that discussion, you know, looking at it from the the crew aspect of worst-case scenario, you wreck a car on Saturday, you are allowed to pull up a backup car for Sunday's event. If the damage is is minimal or standard uh, checks and things they want to have ready on a car for the next day even, he said it would total would probably be about two hours worth of work on the crew, which again over from when they finish on Saturday, the race on Sunday isn't until three in the afternoon. That that that's plenty of time for them to do whatever they need to do. Like I said, worst case scenario is if they have to go to a full backup car. But even if they have to do an engine change, again these top tubes, uh, they do an engine change inside of thirty minutes is is the number I've heard. Um, again, that's obviously not the ideal condition, but um, knowing that, again, it's not like it's going to be a major workload uh, turning a car from Saturday to Sunday either. So uh, I, for everything I've heard sounds very positive. I know they said they talked with the teams about this possibility before they implemented, and this is actually what the teams, as far as uh, finances, expenses, and logistically, felt was the best idea. Now, you brought up an interesting point of when it comes to the drivers. Uh, that is something, you know, we talk about a lot of these drivers that either run the Xfinity race on Saturday or do dirt track racing. Not all of them do that, but I do believe they're all in the, in the shape and capable of it. And Pocono is one that I don't want to say is any less. Uh, I don't think you can do it at, say, a track like Talladega where they say that, that a race like that is just so physically and mentally demanding. Uh, Bristol might be another one that, that, you know, when you get out of a race like that, you are completely drained. So tracks like that that take that out of a driver might not be that possibility, but I think Pocono is one that I, I think uh, works pretty good for it. Uh, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> but, again, I, I think we have to kind of wait and see how it plays out uh, for the drivers and get their thoughts uh once they've actually gone through the process of racing two races at Pocono. So I'm going to kind of keep my comments limited here since my voice is really starting to go. Okay. Well, and again, like I said, uh, you know, I know we had the hot topics uh, Monday. We did a short turnaround this week. I haven't seen a whole lot more as far as top news um, that we didn't already cover. Actually, here's a quick one. Uh, I did see something on this. Stewart's going to make uh, make a stock car return, and I want to look up yeah, exactly where that is, that is that is at. Yeah, that's Dakota. There we go. The uh, Circuit of America. There we go. I couldn't remember exactly where it would be. Uh, he's going to strap back into his number fourteen Haas Automation Ford Mustang from a SHR. It's to make a demonstration run on the 3.426-mile, 20-turn track in advance of the United States Grand Prix. So he's doing some cross-promotional stuff, um, but he is going to be back in one one of the NASCAR, one of his NASCAR 
uh, Cup Series car. So uh, definitely some interesting things going on there and what that might lead to. Again, we have ambassadors like Tony Stewart that are still obviously involved in all aspects of racing and, and building some of those bridges that may have kind of gotten rickety or fallen apart in years past. So I like to see that. I would love to see NASCAR have a race at CODA, the Circuit of the Americas, because I've been to that track. It's an amazing facility. And uh, I just think uh, if NASCAR would have a race there, it would be an amazing, uh, um, what do you call it, road course race. I know uh, Road of America is kind of a long racetrack like that. Uh, This is actually shorter than the Road of America and uh, I'm not sure why we don't have NASCAR looking at the possibility of running a race there, but I think that would be fantastic if they would do that. <clears throat> well, and I know I know we had that discussion back when uh, with the Roval coming out, and again, I understand that obviously the Roval has worked out great. Can't deny that. Um, and Charlotte being able to protect that second race they have there, but there are some great road courses out there this being one of them the circuit of, uh, of americas as well as uh road atlanta and i cannot think of the one in virginia i know they used to test that vir um, there you go vir uh, yep um so there are some uh, some great true road courses out there however again when i when i when the global topic came up that was my viewpoint was why why build one or manufacture one when there's some available but, again, Charlotte said, well, this is our date. This is what we're doing. And they did it quite well. I, again, you, you can't – I don't see that, that Roval going away anytime soon as that has become a very popular and uh, very entertaining race, to say the least. Okay. <clears throat> and he's also going to be going over to Fort Worth, Texas, where he'll be a NASCAR team owner and night uh, at night, he'll be a sprint car driver, so he'll be doing some other racing while he's down in Texas. One of the reasons why he's probably going to show up at the racetrack this weekend. Uh, most certainly, again, like I said, he's one that you have a tough time keeping up with. Uh, I know he does a lot, um, and it ranges, again, for, from this working with the, with at the NASCAR level back down to the dirt track level, uh, as well as running his own track at Eldora. Yes, but uh, I remember uh, <clears throat> Chase Briscoe mentioning that uh, Tony's going to be at uh, Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, but he's got he's got a lot of other things going on besides that as well. Um, other than that, and I know your voice is uh, pretty pretty worn out there, so I got nothing else uh, as far as hot topics to cover for tonight. Okay, well, we're coming up to, to the 10.30 mark here, uh, and uh, what about uh, racetracks? Are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend? I will be, uh, weather permitting. Uh, We've got to throw that in there, unfortunately, at this time of year. Uh, be at Jackson Motor Speedway or Capital City Raceway in Mississippi for the All-American 60. And actually, I've made some plans with my girlfriend, uh, Sunday might head up to Nashville for the All-American 400, a late model asphalt, super late model, and pro late model race there as well. That'll wrap up on Sunday. So uh, put some put some miles on this new Durango I got. <laughs> there you go. 
<clears throat> it sounds like fun, and uh, I, I'm sure you'll have a good time with that. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me, we had snow here today, believe it or not. <clears throat> so and that and that I'm might that might not. have to do with yeah, I was going to say that might have to do with how you're feeling. I I've been through that. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely. Uh, wanted to do the show tonight. I know tomorrow is Halloween night, and a lot of people are going to be busy with uh, Halloween night, although a lot of people around here are saying we'll probably have a light Halloween, and everybody will be opting for more of the group Halloween activities that will be taking place tomorrow. But uh, uh, definitely uh, looking forward to that, and uh, everybody will be able to focus on that. We'll have our podcast available uh, right after the show here tonight, and I'll go out on Twitter and let everybody know that that podcast is available. Uh, so early, earlier than usual, and um, uh, they'll be able to hear that then for, for uh, at the weekend before they go, you know, as they look at their fantasy picks for Texas, they'll want to tune in and hear what we had to say about uh, all of these drivers uh, I am going to try to, since I'm going to be kind of pretty much at home here with my my uh, voice situation, I'm going to try and see if I can't get uh, some information up on uh, fanforracing.com this weekend. Uh, when I do that, there's always uh, a lot of good info coming out of the NASCAR wire, as well as uh, some of our own thoughts uh, from the interviews that take place at the racetracks. So... Uh, I'll have my eye on that and see if we can't get some news out for for uh, our followers uh, to take a look at. So definitely a couple of good races to watch this weekend. Oh, most definitely. And, again, it's all looking towards determining the championship uh, four in all three of NASCAR's top series. So it's going to be a pivotal weekend for the Xfinity and Cup Series. Yeah, now the the trucks won't be racing this weekend. They would, but uh, next weekend at ISM Racing, you'll have all three series having elimination races. So that's going to be huge. Uh, but these guys are are on their second uh, second of the, the round uh, races that they'll be racing at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend. Um, and I do want to do a shout out to all of our listeners. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. Uh, If you have not heard our interview with Chase Briscoe, that took place during our second half hour of the evening. And uh, I would encourage everybody to uh, go back and listen to that if they haven't already done so. And uh, we we did get quite a few questions in with Chase. And uh, as usual, he always does a great job as he chats with us. And we did talk about the race at Kansas <clears throat> Excuse me. And the race that's coming up here at Texas. So uh, he gave some good insight there as well. So uh, with that, Jay, I think we're pretty close to doing a wrap. And again, my apologies for my voice here tonight. I've tried to do the best I can, but I think it's uh, I'm at the end. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll wrap up here with my my end of the round table. Uh, I don't know if it's round with only two of us tonight, but Andy, we miss you. I know he was listening as best he could there on his way home, but uh, we got a few messages from him. You can follow me on MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram and Michael Hoosman on Facebook. 
All right. And uh, stay tuned to FanForRacing.com this weekend. I'm Fan for Racing, uh, uh site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media. So with that, we'll call it a wrap, guys, and we'll look forward to talking to you on the other side of the race weekend. Take care now. Good night. Enjoy the weekend. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.